0: Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line as usual this week is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League writer, Peter Smith. It's been another busy weekend of action, another good weekend for my team Wakefield. Castleford seem to be improving, but unfortunately, Peter, Leeds Rhinos don't seem to be making any progress at all.
1: Uh, No, they were a little bit better against... St Helens last Friday I thought um, but having said that they lost 26-0 so it's it's difficult to get too enthused about it there was a lot of effort in defence um, they were in the game for, for most of it but never really looked like scoring had a couple of tries disallowed but other than that a lot of pressure on Saints' line just couldn't find a way through and, and didn't really threaten to for much of it, which is obviously a concern. They're the lowest scorers in Super League by some distance at this stage, which is most unlike Leeds... Normally, if Leeds lose, you can expect it to be a fairly high-scoring affair, but not at the moment. Um, In seven league rounds, they've scored 90 points, and 34 of those were against Wakefield. Yeah. In their only win and 30 of those win the first half of that game they've not scored in the first half of any of the last three home games Um they've lost five home games in a row this season it's the worst home start to a season in the club's history that's since um, 1895 so it's it's grim times Um obviously a lot of interests at the moment centric on what's going to happen with the coaching position. Gary Hetherington's jetted off to Australia on a, a bit of a whistle stop, whistle stop tour um, to speak to potential candidates. He's not giving anything away. We don't know who he's got in mind, but he have been linked with various people. Um, Shane Flanagan is a name that's beginning to gain some traction. He's former NRL coach with Cronulla was suspended um by the NRL a couple of times, um which brought his Cronulla career to the to an end. He's at St George at the moment in a non coaching capacity, but apparently interested in getting back into head coaching. Um and Leeds might be a way for him to do that. The interesting thing about that is his son, Kyle, is a halfback and there's speculation in the Australian media that if Shane comes to Leeds then he'd bring his son with him obviously Leeds as halfbacks haven't been going great this year so far so that's interesting I still think Ryan Carr the former Rhinos assistant and Featherstone Rovers coach who's coaching the New South Wales Cup side at Parramatta at the moment I think he's very much on Rhinos radar Um, Flanagan I don't think would would come cheap Um, he certainly be a, a good choice for it is an experienced coach who's coached at the top level and I understand that that's one of the things that they're looking for. Um But also, Ryan Carr would come over as someone with a point to prove and a young, relatively inexperienced coach but one who's um very highly rated. Of course, like, there are other people in the frame as well Um but I think Leeds are looking to get that sorted out pretty soon and they certainly need to um, second from bottom in Super League a quarter of the season gone no game this weekend but then it's the busy Easter period and um, after they've played Huddersfield at home in the next match and then Castleford away they played Toulouse who were the only team below them in the table and that's obviously a huge game Were leads world leads uh, to drop to bottom of the table after 10 rounds then it really would be a crisis um, at the moment it's teetering on the brink of of being that. Um, The most worrying thing is there's not a lot of sign of improvement. Leeds don't seem to be getting much closer to winning a game and it's hard to say where the next win's going to come from. So uh, these are very worrying times if you're a Rhinos fan.
0: They are indeed. Um, I was out on Friday so I didn't see the game but I did catch up with the highlights and uh, I know we didn't feel that Leeds would win... um, when we spoke last week, we've obviously given the farm they were in and the farm Saints were in, and it, we did wonder if it was a bit of a free hit as far as Leeds were concerned in terms of uh, get that game out of the way and then then regroup before the busy Easter period. But even mm-hmm. so, um, it's it, they are worrying times, as you say. I mean, Huddersfield are in great form at the moment, aren't they? Cast seem to be finally finding their way under Lee Radford and. Although Toulouse also down among the dead men at the moment, you know they showed when they beat Saint Helens, they're more than capable of raising the game uh, when needs be, and uh, you know I, as an outsider looking in, it's it's very hard to put your finger on uh, where you know how leads how it's come to this at Headingley. You know at the start of the season, we were both very optimistic. They had uh, Blake Austin and Aidan Caesar coming in. Uh, a reliable halfback partnership, so it would seem. And I know they lost Richie Myler, who's a, a player we both admire and rate, and I think he makes a big difference to the Leeds side. But even so, you know, Leeds have got some talented individuals and, and as good a 17 as anyone on the day, haven't they? And uh, they're just not firing at the moment. From, from the highlights that I saw, as you suggested, they had plenty. Of ball near the Saints line, but they just couldn't I put, put anything third. away um, from Saints' point of view. Uh, you know, they, I know Saints got a couple of interception tries as well, which often happens when you're trying to, to force the ball when you're chasing the game. And, uh, you know, that they usually end up in six-pointers down the other end. But at the same time, you know, it's, Leeds just didn't look like they had any real idea. Some of their defence looked very poor. There were, you know, lots of players stood in front of the Saints players, but they still managed to get through them. And, uh, you know, people sort of falling off tackles and that, and just look like the squad as a whole, really, you know, in need of a lift, a win from anywhere, or somebody to come in and either put some arms around them or rocket them, you, you know, as we said the other week, if Jonesy can't inspire them, who can, you know, Mr Leeds, uh, obviously very early in his coaching career, particularly as a head coach at the moment, but even so, He's been there and done it at the highest level and with Leeds in particular, so he knows what's required. Um, but even he doesn't seem to be getting a response out of them at the moment either. So, you know, hopefully Gary Hetherington can sort something out on his trip, whether he goes over there and confirms that the person he wants is out there or indeed isn't out there and he goes back to the plan B or C that he has up his sleeve. But they really need to do something fast because, as, as you say, from those three games we've just mentioned, you can't really see Leeds getting much out of them. No, that's the worrying thing.
1: But the the positive for Leeds is that no game this weekend, so they'll have had almost two weeks to prepare for the Huddersfield game. Huddersfield have got a big game on um, on Saturday against Hull in the cup. Um, so Leeds can't really have any excuses. They've for the first time. This season, believe it or not, they won't have anybody suspended for the Hudsfield game. Um, they do have some players injured who are obviously being missed, particularly, as you say, Richie Myler and um, Harry Newman. But they've got a strong enough squad to get themselves out of this mess. They just need to start playing well. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see why they aren't playing well. Obviously, you can see what's going on. The, the defence has poor and they're not scoring enough points. But why that is, is is the mystery because they're the players are better than their results are showing. Um, hopefully Jonesy, Jamie Jonesby can, can get his message across during this two week break and, um, at least get them playing with a bit more spirit. I thought there were signs of that against, um, St. Helens, but they're going to have to be a lot better to, to start winning matches. Um, And I think if they are going to bring a new coach in, they need to do it pretty soon. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. There's also, of course, the issue of next season. Assuming Leeds do stay in Super League, then a lot of players' contracts are um, expiring at the end of this season. And a new coach is going to want to um, assemble his own squad. So all that will have to be dealt with. A coach is going to have to come in and look at the current squad and decide who he wants to keep and he doesn't want to keep who he wants to bring in and all that sort of stuff so it needs to sorting as soon as possible so everything can be all systems go for the start of next pre-season so yeah time is of the essence I understand Gary Hetherington is not playing to be in Australia for very long a matter of days rather than weeks which suggests to me he's got a pretty good idea of who he's going to be speaking to Um, and Hopefully, they'll be in a position to um, to talk terms if he can find the right man or if the right man's available. But um, I know a lot of Leeds fans are waiting with bated breath to hear what's going to happen on this. and um, it's, it's something that, as we say, they need to sort out as soon as possible
0: before it's too late for someone to come in and make a difference. It's an interesting point you make there, it's a, it's another bit of a conundrum in the Leeds problem isn't it really, that you could get a short term fix in who keeps them up and, and at this stage of the season and the state leads are in, really that's the only thing that matters isn't it, it's keeping them in Super League, but then if that person doesn't want to stay on beyond the end of the season you've then got to go and find it all again and, and as you say if the, the squad has several players out of contract and obviously in, in need of an overhaul and Players coming and going, you're looking at someone for the longer term, but that someone for the longer term. If they came in tomorrow, might not be able to do the job in the shorter term. If that makes sense, mm. so it's it's a it's, it's a funny one all round. Um, you know, from, from from that description, you'd think somebody like Ryan Carr would be ideal, who could come in and have a look at what Leeds have got and do enough to keep them up this season, and then really go to town in the off season. Uh, you know, in readiness. For getting back leads back to where they belong, you know, for the for the following campaign, which is all easier said than done, uh, when you stood here chatting about it. But you know, to me, that's that would seem to be the right way forward. Somebody who's young and hungry, who's been involved with the English game before, who leads now, uh, you know, is obviously rated, and did a good job at Featherstone, and. Uh, maybe looking for the next step up now and, and would be willing to do it in the longer term as well, which is a I think another key thing for Leeds. They need, need somebody who's going to come in and, and bring you know have success over three or four years, even if the first two years are spent building towards that.
1: Mm. I don't think they're I don't think they're looking to to bring anyone in as a stopgap. I think they they want to make an appointment that's going to be at the club for a, a few years. Yeah. Um the concern about Brian Carr will be his relative lack like, of inexperience. He's only 33, so he'd be younger than um, some players in the squad, but um, highly rated, seen in Australia by people over there as um, as a future NRL coach. He was very highly rated when he was at Leeds in 2019. He was coaching Featherstone at the time, but also acting as an assistant to Richard Agar at the Rhinos. And, and he played a role in them, pulling clear of relegation that season and turning things around from a similarly dismal position. Um, obviously, the, the um, Flanagan has greater experience having coached in the NRL, so, so maybe that'll make him the first choice but let's say it could well be that they've got somebody else in mind young Australian coaches who are who haven't coached at top level but have have been making a name for themselves at um, in lower grades have come over to this country and done well in the past and these I would imagine will be be thinking that um, they'd like to get someone that could do something similar but um Gary Hetherington, I've spoken to him about it several times. He's giving nothing away. Nobody at the club seems to know who the favourite is, um, so it's it's just a question of um, watch this space. But as I say, I do hope they uh, they get on with it sooner rather than later.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, as well, obviously, as we've said, it's 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 getting to the crucial point, isn't it now? And maybe Gary will come back, as we said last week, from Australia bearing gifts. Um, let's
1: hope so Um, talking of coaches turning things around um, Wakefield appointed a coach who didn't have any first team head coach experience towards the end of last season Willie Poaching came in on an interim basis um, turned things around after um, Wakey seemed to be in on the field almost terminal decline Um, he's got the job full time now and he's, he's doing an outstanding um, an outstanding job at Wakefield. They're up into the top six now, quarter-final of, of the Challenge Cup coming up this weekend against Wigan at home. I think that's a game they've every chance of winning actually. Um, you're a Wakefield fan Rich, it must be exciting times at the moment.
0: It is indeed, yeah. As you say, Willie came in last season and Wakey like benefited from the new manager bounce, as they call it, didn't they? And he, they had a good end of season, then a bit of a sticky start to this one, which was probably understandable, given that there were a few changes and waking up running with the biggest squad. And I had to smile the other week that somebody commented that Wakefield didn't panic when they got to a bad start, like uh, like they could afford to fire Willie and bring. Uh, JD back, from Jason Demetrio back from Australia or something to replace him, you know, that, that Wakefield can really afford to go through two or three coaches in a season. But but they were they were right as well in that ultimately Wakefield's main goal each season is to stay in Super League. And if that ever looked under threat, of course, they'd make the change. But I don't think Willie was ever in any danger, uh, as we've said several times on here this season. Uh, even the games Wakey were losing, they they were in them all apart from maybe the Leeds one and even then they kept going to the end and, and scored a few points even when the game was gone, which was probably a good sign they didn't just uh, put the queue on the rack and think, well we've lost and uh, and that's it for this week. They did they did keep keep pushing Leeds until the end. Um but yeah again on on Sunday listened to some of it on the radio and managed to catch the highlights again and some lovely tries, you know, obviously the two Tom Johnston ones in particular, uh, the second one, a world-class effort, I think you said, in the Yorkshire Post, and it, and it definitely was, you know, I mean, what a superb try that was, out, out of nothing really, and they're the, they're the moments that you pay to see games, aren't they, you know, that, that's what gets spectators off the seats. Uh, unfortunately, Tom, as we've said several times, a bit, bit injury-prone and he Look to pick up another knock there. Hopefully, it's it's not too serious, and we we have him back for Sunday. I think Willie Poaching said to you after the game that he was fairly confident that you know he, he should be okay for that game, and and let's hope he is. But yeah, again, some really you know really good times. You know, I thought Salford scored some excellent tries as well. You know, Wakefield didn't have it all their own ways. Salford crafted some lovely scores uh, out wide on both flanks. And and the game was was always in doubt, wasn't it? I know Wakefield went well clear, which always has me panicking. Um, and Salford came <laughs> right back at them, but uh, but Wakefield just had enough. Just had enough there at the end. But yeah, very impressive. You know, uh, really pleased with how they're going. And uh, you know, again, I agree with you. A few weeks ago, I would have said, well. You know, Wigan, typical of Wakey, to get a team like that towards the business end of the Challenge Cup, they'll lose now and and then it'll just be the league. But really and truly in a one-off game at Bellevue and the way Willie's got them playing and obviously the spirit in the team and squad, they look really up for it. And, uh, you know, they've beaten Wigan plenty of times in one-off games before. And again, we've often said, haven't we, that Wakefield of all those teams that generally compete at the bottom end of the table are always capable of beating the so-called bigger clubs in one-off games and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did so again on on Sunday. I, th- I think they've got a cracking chance and, you know, I'm sure it'll be a tight game. There'll be a good crowd down there and, you know, real chance for Wakefield to, to get on to London for the first time in 1979. As we've said a few times, it's not at Wembley this year, but at Tottenham. Uh, but, you know, a game I'm really looking forward to.
1: Yeah, I think they've... I think they've every chance, yeah. That Wigan don't particularly like playing at Bellevue. In fact, I don't think anybody likes playing at Bellevue. Um, no. And they're in decent form, Wigan, but I think Wakey will be confident of um, of testing them. And with a bit of luck, we might have two teams from our patch into the semi-finals. Um, because Castleford play OKR okay on Friday night, and I fancy Castleford to win that one. I think their form's... Improved significantly in recent weeks they've got some key players back um, they're playing some good attacking rugby um, got a lot of confidence and the defence has improved a lot um, I was at the game when they lost to all at the end of February um, on the same ground at Craven Park and Cass didn't play particularly well that night but they were still in it for a lot of the game um, and I think with the improvements they've made since then, I think they'll go to um, go to Hull Care and get a result, which would leave them, of course, only 80 minutes away from a second successive Cup final appearance. Lee Radford, the new coach, taking him a little bit of time to settle in, but he's starting to get to grips with it now. And um, I think Casa are starting to look like a decent side. Um, Hull Care are very unpredictable. They've got some dangerous players themselves, the likes of Jordan, Abdul, Mikey Lewis, Lacan at out full-back. But I just think overall, um, Cass will be too strong for them.
0: Yes, I saw some of the highlights of the Cass-Toulouse game. Um, and again, I agree with you. They, they looked male. I know they're playing Toulouse, shall we say, and, and Toulouse didn't score till very late on. But even so, you can only beat what's in front of you. And Cass looked a lot more cohesive and a lot more... Uh, like the Castleford, who would expect players, you know, running and supporting play, tackling hard. Greg Eden, a player I've always liked, he seems to have come right back into form in the last few weeks as well. And you see, scored nine or ten tries now this season, and you know, creating opportunities for other players as well. But you know, good, to, good to see him coming back to his best, and he's always a danger on the wing for Cass. You know, if they get the ball out there, uh, it's almost guaranteed tries, isn't it? And I think Lee himself said after the game, Lee Radford, that now that they had got some of their more established players back and he'd been able to get his message across more, he felt that Castleford was starting to play more like he would like to see them play. Um, and you can certainly see the improvement in them over the last few weeks compared to the first few rounds of the season. And I agree with you, you know, although Hulk KR themselves had an excellent result against uh, Warrington, didn't they? Again, Warrington failing to turn up really, almost literally apparently at one stage on the M sixty two on Friday night. Yeah. But um, but they did. You know they did. Again, they got some really early tries, some good tries. Ryan Hall scoring again, and you know I'm sure it'll be a, another tight game. But you know, getting a one off, I, I think I, I think you're right. I probably fancy Cass there as well, and you know some still some strong Yorkshire representation, Huddersfield and Hull as well as you mentioned earlier, so you know, of those at least two Yorkshire teams will go through whatever happens, which which is always good, we always try and get at least one to the final uh, to keep the interest to the very end, so as you say you, you could see casts there and, uh, and in the other tie-out, quite fancy Huddersfield um, they're playing really well Hull, Hull a bit hit and miss uh, Huddersfield at home, I think they might just have the edge on them there
1: Well, uh, um might go with uh, Hull on that, in that one. I saw their game against Huddersfield the other week when uh, Notorious for wool Prices sending off. And Hull were pretty dominant in that game, defended very well. Um, Huddersfield are playing some good stuff. But I think Hull are starting to get on a bit of a roll and um, I just fancy them to shade that one. And then, of course, the other quarterfinal is the big one over in France, uh, yeah. Rematch of last year's grand final, um, Catalans against St Helens. <laughs> Tough one to call that. Catalans are very difficult to beat at home. Um, obviously lost to Huddersfield last week in um, a, bit of a controversial game. At um, At Huddersfield, there was a bit of a, a war of words between the coaches afterwards because Catalans had trouble getting to that match. Um, so I'd, I think with the tr- travel problems they had, they won't read too much into that result at Huddersfield and I think Castleford might just shade that at home. um Saints weren't particularly good against Leeds, although they had a lot of key players missing um I think if they play like that again, Catalans will be good enough to um to beat them so that's another intriguing game. I think it's gonna be a cracking um cracking round of challenge cup ties. I think there's there's a lot of interest in all of them, and you, you can't be absolutely certain who's going to win any of them. So, um, so that's exciting, and I think whoever gets through it's going to be a very good semi-final double header at um, Allen Road next month as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, from from the neutral point of view, Cats and Catalans and Saints gets rid of one of the competition favourites and big guns, doesn't it? And then it. It really does open up for the other sides then as well. Um, You know, if Wakey can get uh, rid of Wigan too, then it <laughs> could be a very interesting semis and final this year. And, and And let's hope it is, you know, let's hope it is some different teams getting through and, and getting to the final. Maybe different sets of fans down there and names on the cup for once. Uh, obviously, from my point of view, I'd love it to be Wakefield. And, uh even though they, they may have to do it tough knocking out Warrington first, then Wigan, then these are the teams you've got to beat if you want to be there at the end. So good luck to all our teams at the weekend. You know, let's, let's hope we've got some good Yorkshire representation in the last four when we speak again. Uh, just one other thing that caught my eye uh, this week, Peter, George Lawler, the Castleford forward, who was given a three-match ban uh, by the disciplinary, um, just struck me that there didn't seem to be as many players, um, up before the beak this week are are getting into trouble or as many bans handed out. Do, do you think that the players are perhaps learning to curb it a bit, or that their discipline's improving, or do you think the officials are being told to to lay off it a bit? Um, somebody who sees a lot more of games than I do. It, it's hard for me to tell. I quite often just see the hard black and white facts of the fact, you know, maybe just a replay of the incident that led to somebody being sent off a sin bin. Um, another ridiculous sin bin. And I think we that you mentioned in your report of the weekend, Tinny Arona from, from Wakey getting carded for the last 28 seconds, was it, which just seemed a mad decision. but. Uh... <laughs>
1: I mean, a, a referee would say, "Well, it doesn't matter what, at what stage of the game the offence is. If you know, it's if it's a simbin, it's a simbin." But with 28 seconds to go, he didn't. I couldn't really see the point in um, in that one. Um, no further action taken against Rona, fortunately. I think it was just for persistent offending yeah. um, in his case. But yeah, there were a lot fewer. At the weekend, Leeds managed to get through a game and keep all 13 players on the field throughout for only the second time. Um, And there was a a well-publicised meeting between coaches and the RFL disciplinary um, and referees' chiefs fairly recently. And and the coaches at that voiced their concern about the number of cards. And that's obviously been listened to. I don't think it's particularly a case of, of... the players cleaning up their act, although there may be that may be part of it. Um, I think referees are, are taking probably a more sensible approach to it now, um, a more conservative approach, and they're, they're keeping the cards in the pockets. and the, the game's better for it, obviously. You don't want to see 12 men playing 11. Yeah. Um, although I would have a concern that the game now is basically playing under different rules or a different interpretation of the laws than um, a couple of weeks ago. But, um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Um, we've just been talking to Lee Radford about the George Lawler incident, actually, and he's got no particular qualms with um, Wallace ban. His only frustration is that he obviously looks at every game in Super League as all the coaches do and he says he can see other tackles that don't get the same punishment and I think that's a really good point I think it's important that if players are going to be punished it, it needs to be done consistently and I think Lee and others would argue that, that is, uh, that's not the case at the moment but certainly I think it's it will be better for the game if we see fewer cards but having said that the RFL have to act as we've said before on um, high tackles stamp that out because of the threat of litigation in the future from players who've who've um, suffered head injuries in the sport they have to be seen to be doing something about that so it's difficult for them as well but I'd hope that we're not going to be seeing two or three cards every game from now on
0: yeah that's a good point uh, I know we always talk about consistency and disciplinary on here and as long as that continues to be the case then we can't really complain and as you say we don't want to see players getting injured either particularly head injuries uh, we've seen decent players careers ended by them and others obviously suffering the consequences years down the line so there, there is a balance to strike i agree and obviously the players playing now are a lot big, bigger and stronger and hard not i wouldn't say harder but than they were in the past. It's a much bigger collision, a much bigger impact, isn't it? So something has to be done to ease that off. And hopefully between the two parties, they've they've been able to strike some kind of balance now where the bad stuff is still severely punished, but some of the other stuff that's always gone on that kind of can't be avoided or has always been part of the game can be allowed to maybe continue um, with maybe the referee you know, policing it on the field more, you know, telling players to keep their tackles or their hands down or whatever at certain points. Mm. So anyway, I think at that point, Peter, we'll, we'll call it a draw there for this week. Thanks again for all your comments and insights. Just uh, my usual reminder that you can get the very latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at PeterSmithYEP or the two generic web uh, Twitter sites, sorry, at Y.P. and at YEP Sports Desk in addition to the websites for the Yorkshire Post and the Yorkshire Evening Post where you'll find all the latest rugby league news and also the latest sport and news from local and around the world so thanks again to Peter for his comments and hopefully we'll be back soon